Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. Dr. David Pierce, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, KJ. It's a pleasure being here. I'm doing well, thanks. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Pierce. We're very happy to have you on. This is Confessions from a Dental Lab, the show that takes you beneath the surface, right to the source, so you can hear things, and together by listening to these episodes, we can all get a little bit better. Uh, We're very excited to host Dr. Pierce today. He's been a clinical dentist for over 39 years, focused on dental disabilities and dental reconstruction, but I don't want to spoil all the fun right away. I'm going to let Dr. Pierce kind of introduce himself. So Dr. Pierce, Thank you so much for joining us. First question, who is Dr. Pierce, who you are, and what you do? Yeah, well, thanks. So elevator speech would be, you know, general dentist, always kind of curious and and loved learning, still love learning. So that pathway of uh, so many great courses, I, I just went from kind of general dentist to getting interested in more complex cases and then the surgical aspect of it. So the last you know, 10, 12 years or so of my career, having sold my clinical practice in 2021, was really, you know, folks that had significant dental, my word, disabilities, where, you know, their smile or their inability to eat and all of the above definitely had an impact on their lives where they were, you know, embarrassed, felt judged, uh, couldn't be as social or, or all the other components that go with having a great smile and feeling confident in yourself were interfered. And then uh, through you know, my team was just amazing. And so that the, the transformation of that to help folks in that way was just so much fun. Um, so anyway, that's what, we, that's what we did. Then in 2021, I sold that practice, which is up in New York. And my wife and I moved to our Florida and Montana places. And I always wanted to uh, get involved in helping other dentists, not necessarily achieve what I achieved, but maybe help them get further on their journey, but get there way faster because my journey was pitifully slow, KJ. It's like it, if anybody would give anybody hope, it would be my journey because it just took me, you know, decades and a half to kind of get stuff figured out. Like what it, what does it take to, you know, to get patients to say yes to really life-changing dentistry and have a team that's, that's enthralled and really embraces that. So, uh, yeah, so that's so I started a coaching business last year, Ultimate Success in Dentistry, and that's been just a great, uh, great ride. It's been a lot of fun. So much uh, to unpack there. I think, um, you know, what really stands out to me is is something that's very relatable and that you have had a long career. Obviously, you've garnered some wisdom at this point. I think 39 years in, in doing what you've been doing, um, you know, failing forward, learning from your mistakes, like that's certain things that you can help younger dentists uh, learn the easy way rather than the hard way. Um, so I think that's super relatable. I appreciate you uh, opening up about that. Um, yeah. A question I just had, Dr. Pierce, you, you mentioned you have practices in uh, Montana and Florida. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually. So I sold my clinical practice. And, yeah. and, and at that point, I, I felt like, you know, I've been doing this for the clinical part, you know, for 38, 39 years. And there are plenty of dentists that are way better at that than I am. So like, I thought, I'll, I'll just leave that to them <laughs> and let, let, that, let those guys take over that. So I actually sold the practice with really no intentions of practicing clinical dentistry again and just helping dentists with the with the business side of dentistry because um, in my journey you know i met so many dentists 
they're just, and you know, this is all modesty aside, they're just way more talented, way brighter than I ever would hope to be. And yet, and had so much skill set, you know, from all kinds of, you know, fellowships and other stuff that they learned and, and could do, but they weren't treating people with it. You'd say, like, you know, how many, you know, full mouth rehabilitations or whatever you want to call it, full arts dentistry, are you doing a year? And they'd be like, yeah, you know, well, handful or less or whatever it's like man dude you should be doing that all day long if you want to all the people you could help you know and how come it'd be like well you know what i mean basically kind of came down to not clinical skill set it was all on the business side of you know the marketing the sales the getting the teams that's engaged and putting that whole thing together um so that was kind of where i looked at and said you know i don't want to i don't want to change people's lives by doing clinical dentistry anymore, but if I can help some other dentists help more of those people, then I can kind of achieve my goal vicariously by helping them. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of been that. So that's to clarify that. Yeah, so, you know, my wife and I were, were blessed through dentistry, you know, and other stuff we did so that when we left uh, uh, New York State, we uh, were in the process of having a home built in Florida, and then one of our daughters is a dentist in Bozeman, Montana, actually where I'm calling you from right now, and, so cool. uh, and so, yeah, yeah, she worked with, with me for four years in our New York State practice before she and her husband and two grand and their two kids, our two grandkids, moved out here. So we thought, well, the only way to be you know, close to them, one daughter in Florida, one in Montana, was, uh, you know, build a place in Montana. So we uh, moved in here a week and a half ago. So so now we got the best of – we got the mountains that I'm looking at right now, and we got the ocean when we go to Florida. So it's the, wow. the best of both worlds, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm loving the uh, – you know, the coaching on the business side of dentistry so much. It's really great. You know, I think that's a step one when vetting a coach, right? For, for anybody. Um, I think it's natural to be skeptical. It's natural to maybe have some hesitations, but I think the first thing anyone subconsciously does is evaluate like the coaches uh, or the instructors, you know, body of work themselves. And, and here you are kind of talking about how, Hey, I wanted to be close to my daughter, my grandkids and my wife and I, uh, you know, we wanted to also be close to the ocean. So we kind of structure our life this way. I mean, it certainly is not affordable to build a home these days. So if you're able to do that, it, you know, you must have done very well. And it's interesting, Dr. Pierce, because um, talking to a lot of dentists on this podcast, it's awesome because you get all different perspectives. But a lot of uh, recurring, something recurring that I hear is that, dentists oftentimes feel that they, they didn't have the appropriate like business schooling, you know, like they may be very confident in their skill sets, but, but certain ones, like maybe they've had family members or fathers or or mothers who have been dentists that have owned practices and learned it that way. But a lot of them have have expressed to me that, Hey, they would have loved to have gotten a little bit more of this stuff in school um, or, or even just like along the way. And that leads me to a question, Dr. Pierce, We've had a lot of dentists talk about like buying a practice and their experience in that, but could you talk a little bit about selling a practice and, and, and maybe like touch on your personal experience, but like what you would advise, like, Hey, what to do, maybe what not to do. Um, and, and I know that's like a grand topic that you could probably talk about for hours, but if you wouldn't mind just going into that for like a minute or two, I think it would be a ton of value for all the dentists listening. 
Yeah, sure, Katie. So just to clarify, on on the selling end of it, not on the you know do I buy a new practice, but but specifically address like on the selling end, correct? Exactly. We, we you know it's interesting. I've never really gone into that before. We've had so many different dentists say, "Hey, buying a practice was the best decision I've ever made." A lot of younger dentists might be concerned about debt and stuff like that, but we've never really talked about the potential exit. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's very interesting. If you if you wouldn't mind diving yeah. into that for a sec. Yeah, yeah, I'd love, love to, sure. Yeah, and I'll try to make it very succinct. I mean, I would say before, certainly if you're, if you're, so maybe you just say, so they're selling for like one of two reasons. Like for me, it's like I'm selling my practice because I want to transition out of clinical dentistry into a totally different field, still dental, but coaching, you know, consulting, coaching, as opposed to, you know, helping patients. So one in the chair like, every day. Yeah, so like, are you looking to sell for that reason or are you looking to sell? Because I want to keep doing clinical dentistry, or unfortunately for some folks, I need to for for revenue, for you know income, for wealth wealth accumulation, um, or I just don't like the business aspect of dentistry. I like clinical, so I want to sell to somebody who will take over that for me, and then I can stay on as do as a clinical. So I think that you have to look at say, I just clarify your question, like so, why is the sale happening? Which two of those mm-hmm. pathways is somebody taking? And if, they're, and if they're taking it to, and I think, and then the answer or the thought questions probably would be different for both of those groups. If somebody, like for instance, for me, if you looked at it and said, so I want to leave clinical dentistry, then part of that to me is, is probably the biggest part of that is so, and when I say leave, like I felt like I want to leave at the top of my career. I don't want to be somebody who's like, you really should have gone back then. Because you're like you're losing your game, you know you're, you're not you're not engaged in it. So that's and that's what I really felt like I did. Like I left at the top, but in that was that that if you're leaving dentistry, you know, for everybody listening, it's like make sure you're you're running to something. Mm-hmm. If you're just leaving it, you'll be. I predict, like anybody that leaves any career, you make sure you're you're like at least walking towards something else. Like this is what I want to do, that's going to have value. Because I think that we can't. You know, like a friend of mine said, like you're, you're a wonderful guy, not a dentist, really successful guy, very good at helping people figure out their lives in a, in a like a strategic executive coach type thing. And he would say, you're going to miss dentistry. You're going to miss people calling you doctor every single day and all that kind of stuff. And in my head, I thought, you might, you know, you might be right, but I don't think so because I'm really excited to go be a coach. And I don't give a darn whether KJ calls me David or hey, you or whatever it might be. I don't care at all. All I care is I can create some value for somebody's life. And it turns out that I was right, but his point is so valued valid because so many people leave a corporate or a dentist or whatever position, and then they go play golf or something like that, and all of a sudden they've been marginalized by the world, and, it, and it's hard. Like they're not running to something. So that would be my first thing. Like make sure you're running to something. Mm-hmm. And then as far as how you state – then maybe the second piece of advice would be – it'd be I don't know how you'd say this – I would look at the sale of the practice as being the cherry on the top of my wealth portfolio, not mm-hmm. like a layer of the cake because you could be brutally disappointed in what it takes to make that a layer of the cake. Uh, you know, to retire under my terms and get this many dollars for the sale, this amazing practice because it's more valuable to you than it is probably to anybody else, even corporate America, corporate down. Sentimentally for sure. Yep. Yeah. You put all the work and energy. It's like your little baby. And it's Blood, sweat, and tears. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. So those are probably the two biggest things. I mean, as far as structuring the deal and how long you stay and all that kind of stuff, I, I mean, those are great questions. They're more logistic. But I think if, if somebody was going to advise somebody else on a dentist, be, make sure you're going to something or you're you're likely to have regret. Uh, and if you don't, you know, it, then as kind of proof of that, look at how many people leave non-dental corporate America. They leave their jobs. And then six months or a year later, they're consulting for somebody. And they didn't plan on it. It's just like, I just missed it. Like I had nothing to do. I'm sitting around home. I fixed up the house. I did my honeydew list. I'm playing golf. And it's like, uh-uh. it's all self-serving stuff. I want to do something that has like some, something I'm giving back. So, so that'd be the first and the second thing would be just make sure your wealth portfolio, you know, uh, wealth accumulation is in place. So you're not counting on some, some massive home run hit on the sale of your practice because it can happen. And then like in my case, it didn't happen that way. Um, and, uh, and it was predicted that it wouldn't happen that way. Uh, we, we talk about that another time, but um, but at the same point in time, I wasn't counting on it for that. Like, oh, this is this is what we're going to retire on. It's like, no, uh-uh. that's really good advice. I think it's very like not sugarcoated advice either, because you're acknowledging the fact that each practice is very special to the owners. That makes perfect sense. But at the same time, you're acknowledging just the reality that is the market. Like they probably don't view and quantify that sentimental stuff as, as valuable as the practice owner would. So it's, it's good to kind of just like have someone uh, at least making dentists aware of that. Right. So, so that's really good advice, Dr. Pierce. Thank you for sharing that. I know a lot of people like that. How about this a little bit of a different topic, but what's one thing your patients, like your dental patients taught you over the years, you obviously practiced for over 39 years. What's one of the biggest takeaways you got from your patients? Uh, I would say that's an awesome question, KJ. That's really cool. Um, and, but I have an answer for you, yep. which, would be, which would be don't judge a book by its cover. Heard that one. <laughs> yep. Same old thing. But, you know, like, you know, as the, the more and more and, 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 and I would just say it depends on the type of dentistry that you enjoy doing. You know, for me, I, I there's a guy named Paul Homley. He's been around for years and so on. I can remember uh, earlier in his consulting career, he talked about when he was a young dentist, how at first he's you know doing regular restorative dentistry, and then occasionally he'd do something a little bit more significant, but hardly ever. And after a while, he's like, man, this regular restorative dentistry, fillings, a little crown, maybe a three-unit bridge, take out a tooth, that kind of stuff. It's just like, like this is too routine. Like I just I can't get jazzed about this anymore. And so he needed to get more involved, more comprehensive dentistry, more stuff, just to keep his head in the game. But at the same time, he said, and I was so jealous of the dentists that did need to do that to keep their head in the game. They loved going there every single day, plugging their, you know, back then it was amalgam, plugging amalgams, doing composites, doing crowns, whatever it might be in today's world. Um, and they were happy, but he couldn't do it. And that was my story. So, you know, the more the more your practice gets into that that higher type of dentistry that you're doing, um, then that, that just totally morphs the type of dentistry you're doing, who you're doing it with. And if a patient's coming in and you may look at somebody that has, you know, they have holes in their pants and that kind of stuff, you know, you just have to know that, you know, like Sam Walton drove around in a beat up pickup truck every yep. single day of his life. And, and, uh, um, uh, can't think of his name. Sorry. Um, Berkshire Hathaway guy. Warren Buffett. Yeah, thank you very much. Warren Buffett, you know, he goes to McDonald's every single morning for breakfast. Like, he could buy any breakfast he wants. That's what he does. So so you look at these people and you say, like, eh, not worth nothing. You know, can hardly afford McDonald's or his old pickup truck. But it's like, yeah, you could know. Could be a millionaire. Could be a billionaire. 
Yeah, so we had a lot of patients that would come in and you'd look at them and just say like, you know, we might look at on the surface and say, like, this woman, this guy, like, they just don't, there's no way they're going to be able to come up with the energy, the desire, the cash, all that kind of stuff to totally change their lives. And then all of a sudden, like, except when they do, <laughs> you know? Such great advice. You know, just don't judge a book by its cover. Thank you for continuing to uh, reiterate that um, along with some some other great guests on the show. That's a, that's a great one to, to really hammer the point home on. Uh, how about this, Dr. Pierce? Yeah. How important is it to work with a good dental lab, and why is that so important for dentists? Oh, I can't imagine. We're not. Oh, gosh, you know. Um, you, you know, it's the, like the age-old thing. Uh, KJ, you know, like a, a chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And yep. so it doesn't matter. In, in your business, the same thing. Like every single thing you do in your business, you have to do it all the same. You know, so if you're a McDonald's, you do it, nothing wrong with McDonald's, you do it at that level. If you're, you know, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, you do everything at that level. But whatever the low point is, everything gets dragged down to the low point. Um, so to me, if you look at say, I want to do really good dentistry and I want it to be, I'm going to be proud of it. I want patients to rave about it, but I'm going to cut corners and just stop anywhere you cut corners. Like you just cut yourself, whether you cut corners on the lab, whether you cut corners on the team that you have, you cut corners, how much you pay people or whatever it is. So you have constant turnover, you know, wherever that is, you're, it's your the end product always gets affected. So to me, the dental lab of all the things is, is the easiest thing to control. Like just get an amazing lab with people that, you know, that you listen to them and they listen to you. And I say that both ways because I really love the labs that, that were that were rare in my mind, KJ, but the ones that would call me up and say, hey, Dr. Pierce, like, you know, this impression you sent me for, you know, like these, whatever, you know, might be a larger case. See in the picture now, see where they got a pole here, see where I got a this here or that here. Like, oh shit, you know, it's like, but a lot of labs would be like, eh, you know, we don't want to bother them. We'll just, we'll just do our best. Mm-hmm. And I love it when labs would call me up. I mean, I, I didn't love the conversation, but I had huge respect for the lab to say, like, I know Dr. Pierce, I want to hear this, but I know he wants it done right. So I'm going to call him up and tell him, like, nope, you got to get that person back in and redo the whole thing because this isn't right. So I love that. So yeah. And to me, like, that's the easy part. Just get a great lab that listens to you. You listen to them. And, uh, uh, that's the easiest of all the decisions. And by far, just do it 100% of the time, for sure. Wow. Dr. Pierce, I love that answer because I don't think anyone on the show so far has quite simplified it the way you did. And when you said, it's the easiest thing you can control. And like right. that is so true. It made me think of, because you've been talking about some business elements throughout this podcast, it made me think of a, a, f- a familiar parallel Someone like myself as a brand manager does a lot of media work and stuff like that. So for me to just even invest in the newest iPhone or the newest MacBook or something like that, it allows me to become more efficient, which allows my output to be higher for those I serve. And the same thing for a dentist with a lab. It's, it's like equipping yourself with the best tools even. Like let's say you're going to go build a fantastic building, but you probably don't want some crummy tools and uh, yeah, I really want to thank you for for really just simplifying that. That's definitely the experience talking. Yeah. No. Yep. That, that's as you said. I mean, you look at it and said, say, so how hard is it to hire the right person, train the right person, get them to embrace the the noble purpose of your business, have them buy into the culture, all that kind of stuff. One or hire a lab. It's like so true. Hire a lab is so, so darn easy. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I love that. Um, 
you know, what's um in in expanding off that? This isn't really a question on my list, but like in the year 2023, as we look towards 2024, like what's something you think is incredibly important to look for in a good dental lab? And then what's something maybe um, a pain point you've heard uh, from maybe dentists in, in, in your, um, you know, your network, or maybe you've experienced this pain point yourself. I'm, I'm just curious if you could, if you could talk about maybe like one thing, uh, you know, you, you love that lab, like a good lab will do. And then one thing you think that labs should be aware of to, to address and, and ultimately alleviate a pain point. Yeah. Hmm. Let's think. You know, I think that, um, well, it's, it's kind of like the age old thing, you know, like, like we, we, we judge people by the sins that they have that we don't have, or we don't see in ourselves. That's just like an age old thought, you know, that's kind yeah. of us yeah, like oh, look at her. She's doing that. Yeah, but you're doing this. Well, yeah, but that's not a big deal, you know. Like either that or, but you're doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, I kind of am. So to me, it, you know, like for instance, one, if I had to say like a like a pain point, if I had to say like the most important thing in life, it's just is communication. Like it's just like that. And and at the end of the show, if you said like so so like give me two, like two parting tips, it would be they'd be about communication. Mm-hmm. And so I think that communication, that's the biggest thing with a lab. If you feel like a lab isn't listening to you or they're not reaching out to you, like I mentioned earlier, then I, I would be nervous about that. So that on that part. On the other side, for instance, one of the things, especially uh, in the last two years, because things have changed a little bit, it might be that a lab says, well, you know, um, I'd like to get the case to you in two weeks, but it's going to be three or four because, you know, we're short on this person or short on that person or we're short on this or whatever it might be. And whether that changes or not, I don't know. But it seems like if I listen to other dentists that sometimes, I mean, other than the fact that, like they say, yeah, like I was talking to a dentist the other day uh, and um, in a new coaching relationship. And and so we talked more. And, and so he said something like, yeah, I was today. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I, I had a couple of crowns that didn't fit, so I had to re-impress in those. And I said to him, you had a couple crowns? Like, how, what, how do you mean like a couple? I said, yeah, two different patients. Like I say, how often does that happen? And he's like, uh, X number of times, you know, a month. And I said, man, like, if I had that many in a year, I'd be like going crazy. (laughs) I'd be finding a new lab. (laughs) Exactly right. Yeah. So you know, so so aside from that, where I just look at and say, like, well, you want to fix it? I'll give you names of labs you want to fix it. You're going to write a bigger check, but that's okay because you're going to get rid of that that low quality and waste of time and patients doubting your skill set because how come it doesn't fit? Like, shouldn't it fit? Like, what did you do wrong? All that kind of stuff. Um, but because, but because the labs can sometimes get backed up and they say, well, it used to be two weeks. Now it's four weeks. Now it's six weeks. To me, I, I would look at my practice and say, uh, you know, sometimes did, did a new patient have to ask or a patient had to wait, you know, four weeks, six weeks or something like that to get in. And, and I, you know, not not me, but it'd be easy for me or my team to look at that and say, well, that's good because we're so busy. Like, that's really good. It's like money in the bank. And and I always looked at that. It's like, no, because we have no flexibility. I want to be able to open each schedule. So if somebody comes in and wants to get going, we can do it. But if I said, I'm, you know, I have to say to a patient, oh, yes, yeah, you know, it's four, six, eight weeks. I kind of feel like, eh, not a sin. But if the lab says, well, it's going to be four, six, eight weeks, all of a sudden it's like four to six weeks. What, what the, you know, blah, blah, blah. So to me, I think that that, 
if I hear things, it's usually about the, you know bad lab quality. Find a good lab. That's just your that's your bad, not them. Um, and if it's they're taking longer, the other thing here they're taking so long to get stuff back. You know, it's like like if if you're getting great quality, just make good provisionals. Explain it to your patient ahead of time. You'll apologize once, and you'll never have to apologize about a quality or anything like that ever in your life. So, wow, uh, just preaching the the gold right now, Doctor Pierce. Um, you know, you're making me think of. You, we've mentioned a few old adages during the show, but uh, the phrase like time is money, you know, how valuable is your time as a dentist who went to school, went through all those hours of learning, all that CE, all that, that, all those, you know, just like times when, when you didn't know if it was going to work out to, to break through and become a successful dentist, like your time is worth more than dealing with a, a, a frustrating lab um, for all the dentists out there, I would say. So, uh, we'd like to help if, if anyone ever needs that definitely talk offline. Um, mm. Last question, Dr. Pierce, what advice would you give dentists to maximize success going forward? And then do you have any goals for the future? Mm, sure. Maximizing their success. Uh, well, you know, I, mean, I think there's, there's always been a place and always will be a place in the world for the uh, above average, the master's. You know, there'll always be a place for those. So, you know, the race to the bottom is I want to be cheaper. I want to be faster. I want to be that than the guy next door. Uh, you know, I remember one one person, like, just pointing this out to me, which is, you know, you look at the, the retail industry, you know, and at one point in time, there's this, you know, one big box store, and the, and then a new company comes into town, and, and the old company says, we're going to beat you. We're going to roll over, lower our prices. And, you know, and then Kmart virtually disappears. You know, and that kind of thing. So sometimes you, as a dentist, can be like, "Oh, the guy down the street, he's he's you know charging this much. I'm gonna lower my prices to match them." And what you don't know is, a year and a half from now, that person could be bankrupt and go away, and you've been trying to match prices with somebody that's going bankrupt. So the race to the bottom on price is never going to win. So be a master. You know, like create a, a niche for your whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be some amazing type thing, but create a niche where certain people are going to seek you out because you are the master in that space. And I think if somebody wants that security, it may take a little bit of forethought, might take a little bit of, of focused effort, not more effort, but focused effort. But I think that mediocrity thing, like, you know, mediocrity is just not a good place to go to if you're looking for, for just confident, predictable returns long-term. Um, and as far as me, as far as future, uh, you know, I, I love the coaching thing I'm doing. You know, I, can be, uh, how would you say, fairly intense um, about the things that I do. So, um, so I, I mean, I love doing that. And at the same point in time, you know, my grandkids will be over here for dinner tonight. We'll just laugh and play and have a great time. And uh, so the idea that I can, uh, you know, give back to the world uh, so, some of the information that I've been just fortunate enough to, you know, learn from other people. You know, I, I, I think I maybe had one one idea of my own in my life. The rest of it, I'm just a, I'm just a messenger. You know, I'm, I'm a student and I learn things and I put it to work, but uh, I'm not the imaginative mind guy. Um, but to, yeah, to give back that information, help other people uh, either get to a place that they might not get to on their own or more importantly, get there faster. Hmm. That's great advice. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, you have balance. Uh, you, you've achieved success. You know, you, you've done a successful exit. You've done a, a great transition into this new frontier, this new coaching chapter. I encourage dentists listening right now, if, if you'd just like to 
you know, pick Dr. Pierce's brain. Um, Dr. Pierce, what's the best way for a dentist to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, I'm really easy to find um, that uh, maybe there's a couple of websites you can go to. They both kind of lead to the same place. Uh, and then there's, um, you know, I've written a couple of books earlier this year on, on dentistry and business and wealth management and, or wealth accumulation more so. So, the, you know, there's some good reads there. Um, so the website is uh, uh, the name of my company is Ultimate Success in Dentistry. That's the name of the coaching uh, business that I own. The website is ultimatesuccess.com dentist so no.coms is dot dentist and then the other uh kind of a a uh, a wealth accumulation um concept that we have is called is uh four m m as in money 40.com so either of those two will point straight to me and and then one from there easy to find I mean, i give my cell phone number out to folks all the time um so uh easy to find easy to chat to and uh uh, yeah, happy to help out anybody. You know, the process of helping somebody out is it, it, if it's a good fit, great. If it's not a good fit, then I'll help somebody find somebody else that is a good fit. So it's always good. It's all you can ask for. Yeah, Dr. Pierce, thanks so much for joining us. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today? No, I think uh, I'm good, KJ. I really appreciate your time. It's a great show you have, and uh, and obviously you're creating you know creating good questions for people to start asking themselves. So I think that's the you know the, the only way to get a better answer is ask yourself a better question. So I think you're you're spot on. So good for you. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Dr. Pierce. Uh, thank you so much to everyone for listening. This has been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. Number one way you can help the show is just take it and text it to two other friends. You know, if there's someone in your life who has thought about potentially learning more about dentistry, learning more about the business aspect, selling a practice, buying a practice, you know, choosing a lab, there's a ton of great nuggets in this episode. And I encourage you to text that and share that with other people. Uh, my name is KJ Eichstead. It's been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. If you'd like to contact the show, simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at life at newartdental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.